All right. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you guys are here. It's a wonderful little brisky out there, right? A little chilly, but uh, it's nice for Arizona. And I want to say hello to our online family and joining us being part of this study. As you know, livingmessiah.com is the website. You'll find a donate button there. So if your heart moves you, we want to thank you in advance and thank for all those who do uh, support uh, a living Messiah here. We thank you for that. A thumbs up is always wonderful too as well. So um, um, let me open in prayer and then I'll get down to uh, some of the other things here. Father, Yahuwah, great and mighty you are. There is none like you, Yahuwah. Father, awesome, awesome you are. Father, your ways we desire to understand you and the, your words and the words of your son. Father, today we come because we delight in your Shabbat. We recognize it's the day that you meet with your people. Father, may that be so today and help us and guide us to and these understandings and help us understand those who followed after you, Father, that we we have uh, the records and just be with us today father we thank you again that uh that you are that you will allow us to be part of your family through the blood of your son yashua our messiah and our king amen all right uh did that oh and oh as you guys know there's two mics um just raise your hand if you have a question or comment and uh we just ask be on point what we're talking about try to be short because Maybe there's another brother or sister has uh, a comment as well. And the end of the day, or let's say it should, uh, the purpose this study is so we all can learn together. I'm learning along with you as well. So make no mistake about that. So, so we're in Acts. Obviously, that's where we're at. We're in chapter 23. A quick review. Here's something that I want to share with you. Uh, a key verse that be on the lookout for is this one because my hope is that we'll get this far uh today and acts 24 15 says this having an expectation in elohim the god god which they themselves also await for that there is to be a resurrection of the dead both of the righteous and unrighteous now i point this out because this is part of paul's message uh, to Jew and non-Jew alike, it's to all men. That's what Paul uh, has been doing. And it's quite obvious if you follow Paul, like we've been, I don't know, it's been, what, a couple years? I know it's been a long time. But since uh, Paul was introduced into the, uh, uh, the Acts narrative, that's what he's been doing. He's been going to all people. Um, so here, so... To bring us up to date, like I said, um, we're, we'll pick up right at Acts 23.23 if you want to uh, get your Bible set in, or your digital devices set. Um, my go and I also will have it up here as well too. But my goal is to get all the way to Acts uh, 24.27. So hopefully we can do that. Um, so with no further ado, just the, other re uh, the review where we're at. There's a plot to kill Paul now. Forty men have been have vowed not to eat or drink until they have murdered Paul. Okay? That's, uh, that should remind us of the words of our Messiah. Back in John 16, John, uh, these words are recorded by Messiah. And he says this, These words I have spoken to you so that you do not stumble. They shall, uh, they shall put you out of the uh, congregations or the assemblies. But an hour is coming, and every and uh, is coming when everyone who kills you shall think he's rendering service to Elohim, and this they shall do to you because they did not know the Father, nor did they know me. So I bring that up because Paul learns of this plot and it seems to be exactly what Messiah said that would happen to those who are following after him. So Paul learns of this plot through his nephew. How did his nephew know? That could be an interesting side story altogether. But Paul may have had some comfort with this situation 
that's before him. And what I mean is because right before he learns of this plot, the master came to him in the night. And on the following night, back in Acts 23.11, and on the following night, the master stood by him and said, Take courage, Paul, for as you have witnessed for me in Jerusalem, so you have to bear witness at Rome too, or as well. So in some ways, that means that uh, until Paul hits Rome, he's not going this plot against him then isn't going to at least succeed till he at least gets to Rome. He's not in Rome yet. So that's what I meant. It's like, oh, okay, the father met, or the master met with me. There was a plot against me. It's like, oh, I got to take courage for what was spoken to me. I'm not in Rome, so they're not. Okay, full steam ahead, Paul goes, right? So as uneasy as that is to have, 40, think about it, 40 men out for your blood, but to hear from the master, that, that, that what com to me, I'm just looking, what comforting word that must, hopefully Paul brought that back to his mind. Nope, nope, not going to happen, right? Paul is now going to be taken to the uh, Roman governor in Caesarea. So that's where we're going to pick up where we're at. Acts 23, and uh, 23, 23. And having called near a certain two captains, he said, Get 200 soldiers ready to go to Caesarea and 70, uh, 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen after the, uh, after the third hour of the night and provide beast on which to place Saul and bring him safely to Felix the governor, having written a letter in this form. So this is the letter that went accompanied along uh, the soldiers that were escorting Paul. It says this, Claudius Lassius, to the most excellent governor Felix, greeting this man, having been seized by the Eudim and being about to be killed by them, I rescued. I have come with the body, I have come with the body of soldiers, having learned that uh, learn that he was a Roman being a Roman citizen. He leaves out, though, the part that he was beating Paul to. But, you know, he's trying to save his skin. I understand that. Let's, let's just go to the basics here. So Paul's on his way. And desiring to know the reason, they accused him. I brought him before their council. So he's saying what he did. He was in a council already, remember? I found out that he was accused of con, um, concerning questions of their Torah. But there was no charge against him deserving death or change. Meaning, it's not so much uh, about the Torah here. Th this is a Roman said, I found no fault in any. He didn't break any Roman law. Because that's what he's talking about. And when I was informed that there was to be a plot against the man by the Eudim, I sent him immediately to you, having also commanded his accusers to, to state before you the charges against him. Be strong. That's interesting, isn't it? Be strong. It's like, okay, he's your issue now, Felix. Oh, be strong. But anyhow, so the soldiers, as they were commanded, took Shaul or Paul and brought him uh, by night to Antipartus. Uh, Anti it's a city. Uh, uh, uh. So, um, so again, the questions of their law. Remember, even if you do want to understand uh, uh, this questioning with the Torah, remember there was uh, their their uh, their laws. I mean, this could, what exactly does uh, when is concerning their question of their Torah? What did the Roman citizen mean, but remember at that time, uh, this term even here could include the law of Moses and all the other things that are fused together, traditions and everything, because it was all called under one term. So, uh, again, there, uh, at this time, uh, this terminology, their laws, it would have been a fusion of of what was written by Elohim, let me say it that way, written by Elohim, 
and uh, traditions that were added by men. And traditions, not necessarily wrong, but by men, okay? So, uh, it stated that this Roman, he didn't break any Roman law. So, there, there was no issue. Yes, Paul. Yeah, I just want to comment on the, uh, the statement, be strong. It can be misinterpreted. It's kind of like long live the king or farewell or, you know, good health to you, that kind of thing versus just be strong. Yes. No, okay. that makes sense because it, it is going to, that. that's interesting because if it being a, a Roman, a lower Roman to a higher Roman authority, you know, Yes, it, that. Thank you, Paul. That makes uh, much actually more sense, and that it being in the letter. So what we have here, this message, Paul, uh, ha, um, this message, Paul has is important, right? Elohim makes this happen for sure. Wouldn't you say that this is the hand of the Most High working through Paul here? Especially, he was seen by night by the Master was seen by him by night, saying. Continue forward. I still have more for you to do. So basically, Elohim said it, and it will come to pass. Jerusalem then, if we re recall, Jerusalem first and then to Rome. And this goes along with the same message that we've seen in the beginning with Messiah even said. In Jerusalem, in Samaria, and into the ends of the earth, everywhere then. Uh, Jerusalem first and then to Rome. Same message. It is the same message to all men. And in that, I have to add, then, is what is this message? In real briefly, it's Messiah. It's the prophet and it's the law of Moses. That's what I believe is the biggest thrust that's behind this whole message that Paul is taking. So on the next day, they left the horse. Uh, they left the horsemen to go with him, and returned to the barrack. Who, having come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented uh, Paul to him. And the governor, having read read it, and having asked of what province he was, and being informed that he was um, was from Kilia, uh, okay said, I shall hear you when your accusers arrive also. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's palace. So it's kind of interesting. He's being kept here in the, uh, Herod's palace. Now, it's, I guess I kind of want to point out here, I shall hear, hear when these accusers come. Okay? That's being set up here. And I think this is related in some sense, uh, but you can be the judge. Back in Revelation 12, I'll put it this way. Is Paul uh, maintaining this idea here? And Revelation 12.10 speaks like this. And I heard a loud voice saying in the heaven, Now have I come to deliver uh, de uh, come to deliverance and to the power and to the reign of Elohim and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers who, who have accused them before our Elohim day and night has been thrown down. They, uh, and they overcome him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their witness. And they do not love their life lives unto death now i understand in revelation it seems to be this one big accuser okay but i don't think it's a far stretch to any coming and accusing that ultimately paul is doing just this it's his testimony about the messiah the blood of the lamb and look the position that he is then He's, he's not backing down. This is the message unto death. So in some ways, I do see how that the principle 
that's going on there fits very well for me. And if there's any other comments on that, just raise your hand. Um, so, but I bring this, uh, this verse up for the purpose, like I said, the principle. Those walking like Messiah, right, overcome by what? The testimony and the blood of the Lamb. And because the word of their witness, the word of their witness, and they do not love their lives unto death. And we're all in the process of learning how not to love our lives unto, uh, you know, that part of it. So let me continue on. Now we're in chapter 24. It's going to be kind of interesting here. And after five days, the high priest Ananias or Hananiah came, came down, meaning he's now being brought back up uh, to this court system or whatever it might be. But Hanani, uh, the high priest, he came down with the elders and a certain speaker, uh, uh, Tertullius, okay, Tertullius. And it sounds like he might be some type of spokesperson or lawyer, maybe, or, or, or something to that effect. But he, they state him specifically. And they brought charges against Paul before the governor. And when he was called upon, uh, Pretorius began to accuse him, saying, accuse Paul, saying this, having obtained great peace through you and reforms being brought to this nation by your forethought, we accepted always in all places, most excellent Felix, with all thanks. But in order not to hinder you any further, I beg you to hear us briefly in your gentleness. Let me tell you a little bit about Felix, which they knew who Felix was. In your gentleness. This is according to Wikipedia. Okay? Just real quick things. Felix. Felix's cruel uh, uh, cruelty, coupled with his accessibility to bribes, led to a great uh, decrease, uh, increase of crime in Judea. That's who he's governor over. The period of his rule was marked by internal feuds and disturbances, which he put down with severity. Felix hired assassins to murder Jonathan, a high priest, shortly after he took his office. I just, I don't know. I'm just trying to understand this wording. Okay, they're before Felix, and they're almost, is it flattery what they're doing? To such an extent. It's crazy. But let me read you some proverbs from scriptural things. And then we'll see how Paul addresses Felix. And I'm pointing that out ahead of time. You'll see a drastic difference. Proverbs 29.5. A man who flatters his neighbors spreads a net for his own feet. Proverbs 20, uh, 29.1. One, one often reproved, hardening, hardening, hardening his neck, is suddenly broken and there is no healing. Proverbs 29.10, bloodthirsty men hate, hate the perfect and seek the life of the straight. Proverbs 29.12, if a ruler listens to lying words, all his servants become wrong. Psalm 78, and this, this 
it's these people, this is the group that we're talking about here, Psalm 78. But they flattered him with their mouth, and they lied to him with their tongues. For their heart was not steadfast with him, and they were not true to his covenant. Proverbs 6, a man of Belial, of worthlessness, a wicked man, walks with perverse mouth, winks with the eyes, shuffles his feet, points with the finger, perverseness is in his heart, plotting evil all the time. He, uh, he sends strife, therefore his calamity comes suddenly, instantly. He is broken, and there is no healing. These six matters, Yahuwah hate, the seven are the abominations to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, a hand shedding innocent blood. Already these who are accusing Paul are guilty according to Acts of these very things. A false witness bringing, uh, breathing out lies and one who causes strife among the brothers. My son, watch over your father's command and do not forsake the Torah of your mother. To, and then later on it goes in, guard, guard, uh, to guard you against the evil woman from the flattery tongue of a strange woman. And having found this man a plague, they go on, who stirs up dissension among the all you deem, throughout the world and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarene who also tried to pro, uh, profane the set apart place and whom we seized and wished to judge him according to our law but the commander got in the way but uh, the commander Lassius came along with much violence and took him out of our hand commanding his accusers to come to you and by examining him yourself you shall be able to know all these matters of which we accuse him of and the Udim also agreed maintaining that these matters were so so the whole group that is with the high priest and these elders and this other guy all are agreeing with what was brought forth from this man part of this group Let us remind ourselves of Exodus 20:16. You do not bow false witness against your neighbor. And I think that's what we're going to start seeing here. It is interesting, but the commander Alessius, he came along with much violence and took him out of our hand. That's really not what Acts records what was happening. The violence was coming from the group attacking Paul. And the Roman soldiers want to keep peace. So however you want to, you know, call it out, you know, the authority was wrong. They were too forceful. I don't know, Paul. The hard part here is bringing false witness versus a perspective, a different perspective. For example, what Paul was bringing was disruptive. How was it disruptive? There were traditions and modes of thinking that were in place according to their yeah. traditions that here he is speaking about a Mashiach been resurrected from the dead and that's who he is speaking about. And this is the same Paul that was persecuting the people in the way. So you can see the switch plate here is, on one hand, he was walking according to this way. Now he's walking differently. Is that disruptive? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How many of our lives were disrupted by what changed? We stopped celebrating certain holidays we stop observing sunday so to our family members we are pretty much breaking a tradition that may have been there for a long time so 
the accusations from their standpoint may have seemed justified. And that's just something that I want to mention because even today we may find ourselves going contrary to others to stay in the way mm-hmm. that Messiah has led us. Yeah, by all means. Uh, thank you, Paul. And what I, I, uh, I'm thinking we'll see with Paul is how his, ultimately his actions have changed and he behaves different. And I was just telling uh, my wife this morning, I'm hoping that I'm growing and changing, uh, you know, with, with my thought process and how I actually do things different, physically do things different, you know. And so th- I believe there's going to be that aspect that we'll have to analyze too. Because being disruptive uh, in thought or whatever is much different than being Russian coming in well, let's kill this sucker, you know? I mean, we can't have him talk anymore. That, you know, so there's that big dynamic. Because Paul, and like Paul pointed out about Paul, Paul was part of actions going and actually doing things. So, thank you, Brother Paul. So let's continue here. And when the governor had motioned him to speak, Shaw answered, This is the difference in answering that I, I tell me if I'm looking at this incorrectly. We saw this letter of flattery to a guy that they, they knew for sure was not a good guy, but yet he's in authority over you, okay? Paul handles it to me different, and maybe this is uh, something for us. And when the governor had motioned to, uh, to him to speak, Saul answered, Knowing that for many years you have been judge of this nation, I ga- gladly defend myself. He stated the truth. You judged this nation. I didn't give you any flattery word. I respected your office or where you're at, maybe. And I'll gladly defend myself. He didn't have to have all these words of tickling Felix's ears. Do you see? I don't know. Am I, does that make sense? So there's a difference there of addressing someone. Verse 1, there isn't, to me, I don't see any big flattery going on. Oh, Felix, I come to you. I'm, you know. No, you've been judged for this nation. Good or bad, I'm not going to mention that. <laughs> it's just you're the judge of this nation. Seeing you are able to know that it is not more than 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. This is Paul perspective laying out. And they neither found me in the set-apart place disturbing anyone or stirring up the crowd neither in the assemblies or in the city nor are they able to prove charges of which they now accuse me and this I confess to you that according to the way which they call a sect notice who's calling it that that's interesting so I worship the Elohim of my fathers, believing all that has been written in the Torah and the prophets. To me, I would suggest Paul is really referencing the, the law of Moses and the prophets here. Not traditions, not but that. I set that uh, before you. Again, I want to bring in Luke. These ideas from Luke. And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the son of Adam shall also confess him before the messenger, uh, the son of Adam shall also confess him before the messengers of Elohim. But he that, but 
he that has denied me before men shall be denied before the messengers of Elohim. And anyone who shall speak a word against the son of Adam, it shall be forgiven him. But to those who have blaspheming against the set-apart spirit, it shall not be forgiven. And when they bring you to the congregations, the assemblies, and the rulers, and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, or the set-apart spirit will teach you in that very hour of what you should say. Maybe this is going, Paul's relying on all this. How am I going to address where I'm at? Am I relying on myself obviously he's heard about the report he was one that used to drag them to the assemblies okay I'm getting closer to Rome how do I how do I handle this spirit help me for Paul there is no conflict though with the Torah or the prophets with his walk in this so-called sect called the way He's a believer in Messiah. And I would suggest then I don't see a conflict with Yeshua, with the prophets, or the law of Moses. And that's why I think it's important about our Messiah at least maybe I'm reading more into this but if Paul is bringing forth the message of the Messiah then the things that we read about the Messiah that is part of Paul's journey and message the resurrection of the dead the hope of a dead well you can't have any hope in the resurrection of the dead that's the purpose of what I see as Joshua the one from Nazareth the one like Moses it's all waves on that there's your hope for the resurrection of the dead. He was even met by him. So, so, again, what I think, where is the conflict here? It seems to be the, why is Paul in this position? I would put forth maybe, eh, it's with the Messiah, and the Messiah and man's commands and traditions is the issue here. Again, there is no conflict, I believe, with Yahshua the Messiah and the Hebrew Scriptures. That's what was written at Mount Sinai and the prophets foretold about that very one. Like from even Moses' mouth, there's one. So let's continue. Having an expectation in Elohim, which they themselves also wait for. So he's like, listen... They, they are my brothers. Uh, he's making this point, whether he's talking to them directly, but th they have this expectation too. So they believe in the God of Israel too. They confess the God of Israel. They might be doing it in a different way, but they're the ones trying to kill him. That there is a resurrection of the dead both of the righteous and the unrighteous. And in this, I exercise myself to have a clear conscience towards my God, Elohim, and men, always. Meaning, I'm not wavering from this. Whatever happened to him on Damascus Road and his life affected him severely, Right? And after many years, I come to bring uh, kind deeds to my nation and offerings. That's why he was, going, he was going to Jerusalem, possibly taking money for the poor and uh, various other things. Okay? That, you know. At which time, certain Eudim from Asia, Eudim uh, from Asia found me cleansed in the set-apart place. Found me clean, because remember he did that vow? He set forth, did it, 
And I was there in the set-apart place, neither with a crowd nor with disturbance. I wasn't making any kind of ruckus. I was actually, by your standards, I made myself clean, and I was there. But these guys from Asia didn't, where did they get their information? If they knew and asked Paul, they would have known that he just did a cleansing thing. And that might have been completely with tradition. But he did it, and he was clean, even by, let's say, their standards. So he wasn't there with any kind of big crowd and disturbance. Who ought to be present before you to bring charges if they have any matters against me. What's that saying? Those who were bringing charges against Paul, who were saying stuff about Paul, they didn't even come. They're not even here. So Paul was like, hey, where are my accusers? Deuteronomy 19.9. Paul's relying on words from our father. When you guard all the command uh, to, do, to do it, which I'm commanding you today to love Yahweh Elohim and walk in his ways um, all the days, then you shall be, uh, then it goes on, there show, you should have three cities, more cities beside themselves. Basically, it's talking about having city set up for a right ruling judgment. And it goes on, so the innocent blood is not shed in your midst of the land which Yahweh your Elohim is giving you as an inheritance or blood guilt shall be upon you. Meaning, make sure you have right judgment, good court systems, judge, and have witnesses. Paul's pointing out, there's no, these guys who accuse me, they're not even here. They didn't even write any kind of letter. They didn't even send any pictures or anything, right? But when anyone hates his neighbor and shall lie in wait for him and rise against him and smite the life from him so that he dies, then he shall flee to one of these cities. And then the elders of the city shall send and bring him, uh, bring him from there and give him into the hand of the avenger of blood, and he shall die. And your eyes shall not pardon him, but you shall purge the blood, in, uh, blood of innocent blood from Israel. Remember, it's innocent blood, so they're, they're judging to judge righteously. But it's interesting, it goes on. One witness does not rise up against a man concerning any crookedness or any sin that he commits. At the mouth of two witnesses, or at the mouth of three witnesses, a matter is established. I don't think there is any witnesses, at least what Paul was doing. And if there is, these men, they didn't come. Right? When both men have the dispute, shall stand before Yahuwah, before the priest, and the judges who serve in those days. And the judges shall diligently search out to see if these witnesses is a false witness who has falsely accused his brother. When you shall do, um, then you shall do to him he that ought to have done to his brother. Thus you shall purge the evil from your midst and let the rest hear in fear and never again do this evil matter in your midst. And let your eyes not pardon life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. I mean, ju righteous judgment here. And I don't see that that's happening. And we have the high priest and these elder system who should be trained of all people should know this, right? Jeremiah talked about this time period. Jeremiah says in 22.17, But your eyes and your heart are only upon your own greedy gain and on shedding innocent blood and on, press, uh, and on oppression and on doing violence. We can clearly see that with these men 
who vowed to kill Paul, along with a little help or whatever, with the, the high priest was quite aware of it. Deuteronomy 1 from Moses, let's say. And I command your judges at that time, saying, when hearing between your brothers, judge righteously between a man and his brother or a stranger who is with him. Do not show partiality in right ruling. Hear the small as well as the great. Do not be afraid of anyone's face, for the uh, right ruling belongs to Elohim. And the case which is too hard for you to bring to me, and I shall hear it. That's Moses talking. And I command you, and Deuteronomy says at that time, and I commanded you that that time all the words which you should do. Or else, let those themselves say if they found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council. Basically, we have gone through this again, and it, I, I was at another little council meeting, and but it really comes down to this, 21. Other than this one declaration which I cried out, standing among them, concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you today. In, at least in Paul's mind, he's narrowing everything that's going on. It comes down to this. And having heard this, having known more excellently about the way, Felix put them off saying, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I shall decide your case. And he ordered the captain to keep Saul and to have a uh, have ease and did not forbid any and did not forbid his friends to attend with him. This is interesting. So again, I have to to me I could be misunderstanding this, guys, but it's about this concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by the high priest, by the council, and actually they're the ones that brought me here before you, and then I'm going to be judged by you, a secular person, on this. So I'm being judged on the hope of the resurrection of the dead. I'm being judged on what I believe. This is, I'm adding maybe to Paul, and you let me know if I've gone too far here. I'm being judged on what I believe. By the way, Paul seems to think this doesn't conflict with Scripture teachings at all. Paul states with clarity that all the, what the, all the fuss is about, it's concerning the resurrection of the dead. Am I being judged by you today? Paul's accusers say this, though. Paul's a plague. He's a disease or whatever. He stirs up dissension. I looked up that word. Basically, Paul stirs up disagreement. Paul disagrees with us. That's what this committee is saying. Paul doesn't stand with us. Stalus is actually the Greek word being there, and it has this idea of standing properly to act. Allegorically, a position by implication, and it's used in a variety of ways. Paul's opinions is different than is different, and he is being labeled by his accusers. With that being said, how would Elohim label you? Who cares about the world? Because they're going to label you one way or the other. How would Elohim label you? Are you a are you a daughter? Are you a son? And you should know that. How does he determine if you are his? 
by what you do, and it's the blood of the Messiah. And to be honest, that should be the only label you should be concerned with. He is a... Uh, he disagrees with us, then we shall speak for all. Because that's basically what's happening here. They're speaking, this little group is speaking for all the Jews everywhere in Jerusalem and, and who scattered. If you go back and look at that, that's exactly, you know, he's the ringleader. So we're going to speak for all the Jews throughout the whole world. Paul's a ringleader. He's a sect of those Nazarenes. Believing, and why it's the issue, because he believes in the Messiah, who also tried, and he also tried to profane the set-apart place. We don't really know for sure, but we heard some information about that, and it's possible that's what happened. We don't know those people from, yeah, anyhow, there was, it was a mess, right? People all over the place accusing a whole bunch of things. We don't know, but we'll throw that into the accusation too because we heard it. And the bottom line from Paul's accusers, we wish to judge him according to our laws and traditions because the law of Moses could not find a thing in the law of Moses to do this to him. Basically, he doesn't go along with the way we think, but not, as far as I can tell, nothing that they brought, could bring against him that was contained from the Most High as being guilty of, except for maybe when he said that little nasty thing to the high priest, but he caught himself, and that's not a, anything that you would die for. So they could not charge him with anything. He disagrees with us, and guess what? He must go. They want to kill him. He's got to go. Then it jumps down. This is an interesting part here. And he ordered the captain to keep Saul and to have ease and not forbid any of Paul's friends, meaning the assembly or his other disciples, to come visit Paul. What is... Felix's motivation here. Some of you might have read ahead. Some of you might know. But I told you one thing that Felix was very known for. If Paul's in prison and his friends can't come, that means he can't ask for money from his friends. But if his friends are allowed to come visit Paul, that means, you know, that might be some bribery money he has access to and maybe I'll just let you go Paul depending on the price am I making this up and after some days when Felix came with his wife Drossel who was a female Udite sent for Saul and heard him concerning the belief of the Messiah and as he reasoned about righteousness remember who Felix is he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and judgment to come. All of a sudden, Felix is uncomfortable, right? Felix becomes frightened and said, oh, from the presence go. And when I find time, I shall send, send for you. And that same time came, and at that same time too, he was anticipating what? Silver would be given to him by Paul and that he might release him. Therefore, he uh, sent for him more often and, uh, con uh, converse, and conversed with him. But after two years, he had passed Porcius Festus, succeeded Felix, and wished to do the Udim a favor. Felix left Saul bound. So take a look at this. Paul's in, in being held. 
he reasoned about righteousness and self-control to Felix and the judgment to come. And it's clearly states Felix became frightened. What would he be frightened of? He knew who he was. He knew his actions. He was being convicted, wouldn't you say, in Christian terms, convicted by the Holy Spirit, maybe? Felix became frightened, convicted maybe. But the hope of money sure overshadowed that fear. Maybe. I am projecting here. But what Felix did here was the good news of the Messiah. Hebrews 9. 9.27 And as it is oh, as it is awaits laid up or appointed for man to die once and after this the judgment so also the messiah having been offered once to bear the sins of many shall appear a second time apart from sin to those awaiting for him unto deliverance we have a hope of deliverance and when he returns we will be delivered meantime we need to follow accordingly Exodus 23, and do not take a bribe for a bribe because you know what it does? It blinds one and twists the words of the right. Paul did not take a penny because he's still there. Acts 9.15, but the master said to him, go, for he has been chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before nations, sovereigns, and the children of Israel. For I shall show him how much he has to suffer for my name. That was back in Act 9 about what Paul was called to do. Paul was reminded and maybe encouraged just recently, like I shared with you, Acts 23.11. And on that following night, the master stood by and said to him, Take courage, Paul. You're going to be, you've witnessed in Jerusalem, you're going to witness in Rome as well. Paul stayed the course. This is what we need to learn. Paul stayed the course. Galatians 1. Paul stayed, these are Paul. Galatians 1. Paul, an emissary, not from men, nor by man, but by Yeshua the Messiah and the Elohim, the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul's not here by man's traditions or theologies or anything about man. It is not by that. It is by Elohim, the Father, and the power that raised him. So Felix sent for him more often in converse, waiting for silver, but all he got was the words of Scripture instead. Then there's things that I believe that happened in Felix's life, some of the history I was reading it. But anyhow, things, because he wanted to do the Udeem a favor. No, it wasn't. For the, it was a political move, in my opinion. All right? Because he's a politician. He's a governor. All right. What's the best interest? Do I let Paul go or, uh, well, I'm going to be out there and I'm going to be bumping into some of the hierarchy here and hierarchy here. So I don't want to get out there and, you know, that's going to be a bad thing for me. So I'll finish up with this. I know I'm going long here. Uh, like Paul, is our life a roller coaster too? Yes, it is. It may not be extreme, but we can relate in some ways, I hope. I hope your life isn't just cruise control. I hope you have these up and down being challenged by the Most High. I don't know if I could have the strength that Paul had to do the things he did, but then maybe that's the whole point. If Elohim is with you or with us, then we can accomplish anything, right? Right?
from what the instead of Elohim with us, maybe it's more yeah, it is. What can we accomplish when he is with us? Maybe a better way to state that is, are we with Elohim? And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb. Any accuser. The blood of the lamb and because of the word of their witness. And they did not love their lives unto death. Revelations 12, 11. If there's no comment, I'll close in prayer. Comment? I have one comment, and then we'll close in prayer. This whole thing so much reminds me of what's going on in our world today with the political back and forth that they're trying to get President Trump on. It just reminds me of that. So many times, he go, President Trump goes before the Sanhedrin, <laughs> whatever you want to call, and he and he keeps getting out of out of these messes that they're trying to put on him. So mm. I don't know. I won't say anymore. All right, thank you, sister. Let me close in prayer. Father, Yahweh, great and mighty, you are. Father, I come before you, we come before you, and we ask your hand and your guidance in our lives. Father, we're so relying upon you. We so do absolutely need you. Strengthen us, Father, with your spirit. Help us to continue this path with your Messiah. Help us to understand his words. Help us to understand you, Father. Father, our desire is to be what you've asked us to be, and we still need your help. We thank you again for your love and mercy that all of us here can say that we have experienced and we know that is there in you. You alone. Yahweh. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Thanks for coming. <laughs>